Life is always fair. I really enjoy repeating myself over and over again. I just love when the kids talk back to me. I don't care if you get a job this summer. I don't care if you get detention. I can't open this jar. See if mom can open it. Just take your time in there, okay? No means maybe. Hey, why don't you bring that ball inside and play with it? Hey, don't put that back where you found it. Just leave it on the floor. Ew, bacon. If you put a dent in the car, it's really no big deal. It's 10 a.m. Go back to bed. Look, whatever your friends are doing, just do the exact same thing. I got more than enough sleep last night. If your friends are okay with it, then I'm okay with it. Stop signs are just a suggestion. You don't need a chaperone. You don't need a seatbelt. You don't need a savings account. You should buy the jeans with the holes in them. Hey, we're all going to go to church, but you can just sleep in, okay? Can we please just hang out in here for another 10 minutes? Hey, can we get some more bickering back there? All right, bills. Yay, traffic. Woohoo, taxes. Yes, laundry. Hey, can you kids come in here and jump on my bed? Quick, go tell mom what happened right away. You don't need to finish your dinner. Hey, look at your phone when I'm talking to you. I wish I had a smaller TV. We got you that phone for a reason, texting boys. All right, everyone, listen up. Mom and I are going out of town this weekend, so please mess up the whole house while we're gone. Please throw a few parties while we're gone. Please forget about the dog entirely while we're gone. Hey, when you're finished pouring that, can you just leave it out on the counter all day? Thanks. Hey, what are you doing? I'm gonna bungee jump out of this tree. That's a really good idea. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for Online Church this morning. Hey, wherever you are, right at this very second, I want you to come and worship with us this morning. Do it again 
as we continue to worship here this morning if you're in need of prayer we have a prayer team that is ready and willing to pray for you just click the link in the description and submit your prayer request at this time but continue to worship with us today
Hey, Thrive, I love getting the chance to worship with you in song, but uh, as you may know, we get to worship God in a variety of ways. And one of those ways is in financial giving. Uh, it's in that time that we get to really show that we uh, put God first in every area of our life. And I want to say thank you for continuing to give financially. Uh, because of that, we've been able to continue to make impact in our community and show God's love in tangible ways. And you can give financially this morning. Uh, we have multiple ways you can do that. You can click the link in the description. You can text Thrive Church as one word to 77977. Or you can go online to give to thrive.me. But so continue to consider how God can use you in that way. And hey, let's jump in today's message. Thrive Church. If you have your copy of God's Word, turn to Matthew chapter 13, uh, verse 7. Matthew 13, verse 7. So, uh, recently, since it's summertime, my son and I have had a lot of snake conversations because, of course, where we live here in Virginia, there are snakes. And so he's trying to figure out, you know, what snakes are poisonous, what snakes aren't poisonous, what are good snakes and bad snakes. Some of you think the only good snake's a dead snake. That's not true. Black snakes are really good snakes. Not only do they uh, kill off other dangerous snakes, but black snakes also eat rats and mice, right? So, like, when I grew up, my grandfather would be so angry at me if I actually killed a black snake. 
I mean, even green snakes, it's like, all oh, they're garden snakes. They won't hurt anything. Don't worry about it. Um, now, copperheads are dangerous, correct? Well, my son uh, recently found out about the python. So he we went and visited, uh, you know, the, the Metro Zoo there in Richmond a while back. And he saw the python. And so he started, began to ask questions about the python. And so I had to explain to him what the python does. That's unique to, you know, other snakes. It actually strangles its prey, right? So it wraps around and wraps around till it gets to a point. It feels comfortable at first. And then it begins to strangle it to death. Uh, we watched the Jungle Book, right? And when the snake come up, he, oh, is that a python? And sure enough, you know, go around Mowgli, wrapping and wrapping. Oh, that's a python. It strangles. Well, I want to speak to you today about kind of what happens in our life and how Satan, who was a snake in the garden, right, acts as a python in our life. Many times we look at how God's word works in our heart, it works in our life, how the gospel works in our life. There are things that hinder God's word from working in our life. There are things that hinder uh, the message of the gospel from going forth in our life. And that's what Jesus talks about to his disciples. In one of his, uh, maybe his first parable that we know of, in Matthew 13, he begins to talk to them about people and their hearts. And he gives this word picture of soil and seed, right? So there's four different types of soil he outlines. And how the seed interacts with the soil. It's all the same seed, but there's different soil. And so in week one, we talked about the hard heart, right? He talked about those who have a hard heart. It, you know, the seed lands on really hard ground. It doesn't penetrate the soil and the birds take it away. That's what happens sometimes with the message of, of Christ, with the word of God. The seeds fall into hard hearts. When it has a really hard heart, what happens? The birds come. Uh, it takes and it, it takes it away. What, what's a bird? Well, the bird is not understanding the word of God, being distracted. It's it's not really listening to what's happening. And then last week we learned about shallow soil. And Jesus said, "Hey, look, there's this type of heart that's like shallow soil. And in Palestine, there were some places where it, um, where you had underlying rock, right? Really hard layers of rock and soil on top of it. And when the seed began to try to grow, it sprout up quickly because the roots never got deep." He said, "There's some people who are just like that in their faith. They get really excited quickly, but then they fall away." And then he shares with us. The third negative interaction with soil. And he talks about the kind that gets strangled out by weeds. Kind of the python view of what happens. And so I want you to look at Matthew 13. And here's what Jesus says. He says, other seeds fell among thorns. Now remember, the, the view is this uh, you know, sower of seed, this agrarian person, this farmer, would take seed and just cast it and just throw it. Same seed, but throwing it. And so Jesus says some falls on you know, hard soil, some falls in shallow soil, and then some, and watch this, he says, fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. It did a UFC choke move on the tender plants. And so this good seed fell into the soil where there's a lot of other different types of weeds that were there, and it began to choke it out. Then he says this in Matthew 13, 22. He explains it to him, and here's what he says. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But watch this. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of, of this life, and the lure of wealth. So no fruit 
is produced. In Matthew 13, Jesus is really just going through all types in that par- those parables about kind of how seed and soil work and how things happen. And so he, he shows them the third heart. Remember, if there's four types of people, there are those which next week we'll find out the ones that have the good, right, you know, the good soil. But he says, out of that, 75% that hear the word of God, that hear the gospel, are not going to respond. 75% of those watching online today are not going to truly receive the word of God and bear fruit in their life. 75% are going to be too shallow. They're, they're going to let troubles and worries and cares, you know, again, push them away from following Christ. And then 75%, part of that 75% will be people who allow the message to be strangled out, to be pushed out, to let you know, nutrients like, go to different places. The weeds are taking the nutrients that that seed should be taken in. That's why we weed gardens, right? As you remember before, we pull weeds and plant seeds. If you didn't watch that, go back and watch it. And so Jesus shows his listeners there what they're facing when they're listening to his messages, when they're listening to what will be for us the word of God. And so here's our big idea today, and here's what we have to, to, to understand about the strangled heart. And today's big idea is this. The strangled heart allows earthly circumstances to crowd out a life lived for Christ. The strangled heart allows earthly circumstances to crowd out a life lived for Christ. What happens is this. People who have strangled hearts have no room for the things that matter most. They have no room. They, they allow everything else to, to be their focus, and they have no room. We have this saying all the time, give God your best overs, not your leftovers, right? We say that all the time when it comes to, to Thrive Church. Well, that's what a strangled heart does. It's always given the things that matter most the least amount of time in their life because they allow so many things to just, you know, take a precedent in their life. They have no margin for the things that really matter. Uh, and this could be at anything. You know, in my life, can I tell you something? From about 5 a.m. to about 12 p.m., 1, 1 p.m., that's my best time of the day. And I have a sweet spot for writing messages, for speaking, for doing all the things that, that I do. The things that require the most of my energy, I give the best time to. You will rarely ever, ever, ever get me between 8 and 12. Why is that? Because that's my best time to use my best creative energy, to put in the things that matter most. Um, in the evenings, you'll probably not get me coming out to stuff in the evenings and doing a lot of things in the evenings because that's my time for my family. I'm making memories with my family. I'm giving the best to the things that deserve the most. And that's what Jesus is saying. He said the people with a strangled heart are not able to be focused on the gospel. They're crowded out, man. Jesus gets crowded out. Reading the scripture gets crowded out. Their prayer life is crowded out. There's no margin for any of that because we're so focused on so many other things. And so then when we get to the thing that matters most, which is our relationship with with our creator, when we get to that, we had the least amount of energy to give. And so uh, I want you to understand what happens. The strangled heart, and this is how we get you know, kind of focused on things that don't matter. Here's what happens. It takes the bait. That's what the strangled heart does. People who have strangled hearts, they're strangling out. Man, the gospel strangled out. The word of God strangled out. There's never fruit. They take the bait. What do you mean by that? I mean this right here. They're able 
the, like, the, the enemy of our souls is dangling bait in front of them. He's, he's casting it in the water, and they're going, ooh, I want that. And they go after it, and they get hooked into something that's harmful in their life. You know, recently my son and I went fishing. And the first time we went fishing, we used earthworms, right? And so we go with one of his little buddies, and we go fishing. It's a catch-and-release pond in our neighborhood. We do that. And he caught fish every time he was casting out every time it was like just eventually he sat there and wanted to you know eat potato chips with his buddy and they watched the dads just fish because they were so tired of catching fish it got old to them the next time um we decided to use rubber lures like like we'll use these little ones that look like the the and can i tell you something we caught nothing not a zilch zero why is that the fish became smart they knew what fake bait was, and they knew what the worms were, and they weren't going for the other stuff. And many of us in life, can I just tell you when it comes to having a strangled heart, you're not going to usually have like the gospel crowded out because you're falling into crack cocaine. That, 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 that is a small percentage of people. You're not going to you know, fall away or, or have a, a strangled heart because you know, you're probably off you know, sex trafficking, right? Because you're doing something crazy or you're stealing money from a bank. You're probably not going to face that. But can I be honest with you? What strangles out the message of God, the word of God, and the fruit of the gospel in our life are for us is being busy. If the devil can't make you bad, he wants to make you busy. He wants you focused on things that don't matter. He wants God to get the leftovers in your life. He wants you to put all your resources into the things of the world to fuel his things. And then when you get to it, you have no time for prayer. You have no money to give to the kingdom. You have no energy to read the Bible. And so we give our best things to our least things that, that matter most, right? If I say it that way. So here's what you have to understand. What creates that bait? What is that bait for us? So when we look at bait, like, okay, so what bait am I taking? What am I looking at, Kevin? And here it is. The first one is what we call unrepentant sin. Now, I know in church world, that's like an old, like you probably remember a preacher going, repent of your sins right now this morning and so you're hearing that and you're thinking oh man this seems really like old school well here's where we're at in our generation we don't want to use the word sin right oh don't use that no 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 it's sin uh, because we don't want to offend people here's the thing if you don't believe in sin then you can't have a savior for christ come to save us for our sins he died for our sins right if you don't believe in sin, you can't have a savior because you have nothing to be saved from. You're just a new age person who just kind of uses the, the name of Jesus and the, the, the whole idea of Jesus. But when it comes to salvation, once you give your life to Christ, here's something that will strangle out the message of God in your life, that will strangle out God using you um, uh, in an anointed way. And what that is is this, it's unrepentant sin, meaning that it's not that you struggle because we all struggle with sin in our life. If you don't believe you struggle with sin, just talk to your spouse. <laughs> They're going to tell you exactly what sin you struggle with, right? But here's what I've come to realize. As a believer, we all struggle with sin. But it's not that you struggle with it. It's do you love it? Some people are in love with sin. They know what Scripture says, or maybe they don't want to research. Maybe they think, if I just turn a blind eye, I won't know what God really says about this thing. And they love it. They flaunt it. They promote it, right? They're like, this is great. Freedom. And that's not really freedom. That's actually sin. And when we don't come to God with a heart, with a heart saying, God, forgive me of my sin. Like, I hate this. I hate that I struggle with this. Like Paul in Romans 7, it's like the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I hate, that's what I end up doing. 
That's the heart of a Christian. It's conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's sharing with, your, your, with a close friend. Hey, look, I'm just struggling here. That God, God loves that type of heart. And, but what hurts the heart of God is unrepentant sin where we love it, we shove it under the rug. We don't want to deal with it. We don't even want to talk about it. And that, again, strangles out the message of God because um, either you're going to love the world or you're going to love the Father. But those two loves are competing. The second bait that we usually take is this. And the next two are what Jesus really narrows down. It's worried about things you just can't control. It's, it is an epidemic in our society. Like, we're so worried about things that haven't even happened yet. Right? Like, like, like there's things in your future that probably will never happen that you spend all your mental energy on. And can I tell you, the enemy of our soul, Satan, again, loves it because you're using all your energy worried about something that you can't even fix, you can't control. It's out of your hands. It's other people. And so many times we end up full of anxiety. We end up, man, some of us are just depressed. And why are you depressed? Well, you, I just don't know what's going to happen. Well, I just, I'm just worried. And worry is stress. And what we've come to realize in, in, in this world, especially through um, medicine and studying, is that stress will kill you. And that's what the enemy wants. And so what do we do? We take the bait of worry. Right? We take the bait. Jesus said, do not worry. Yeah, but Jesus, yeah. Do not worry. Do not worry. The third thing is this. Jesus says the bait is the alluring promises of money. Now think about this. He, when he talked about it in Matthew 13, uh, you know, verse 22, he says the message is crowded out. Watch this. By the worries of life and the lure of wealth. Lure. Bait. Satan is laying bait in front of us. And we're taking it. What is the lure of wealth? It's the alluring promises of money. In one of our past series, I shared this with you, is that false gods, little g gods, promise what they cannot deliver on. So what, what, what the, the gods will promise you, the, the, the demonic forces, Satan, they're going to promise you that money will give you security. Money doesn't give you security. They'll promise that money will give you, if I just had more money, I would be happier. And then you get it and you start spending more of it and you start getting into a deadly cycle that you can never make enough. Uh, see, money promises only what God can do for us. And you can come to a point in life, either you're going to trust money or you're going to trust God. But money cannot produce that. And in that society, Jesus understood his listeners. Looking, uh, understanding his, his message was going to be heard for generations. He understood this society. And we're taking the bait of worry, of the lure of wealth. We're, we're, again, loving, loving sin and not repenting. And what's happening is these things are strangling out the word of God. They're strangling out fruit. Jesus says that plant will be choked out and produce no fruit. And my heart is that you would either trust the promises of God or either you're going to trust the promises of what the world can offer, especially money. Trust God instead of trusting what the world can give you because it's all counterfeit in your life. See, here's what you have to understand. Here's why this is so important. 
Because if we don't get this this morning, if we don't understand this, if we just kind of skirt over it, maybe your mind's somewhere else already, and you don't think this is important to you. You think, I don't worry a lot. Man, I don't have a lot of money, so I have nothing to worry about. It's not how much you have. If you miss this, here's what's going to happen in your life. If you keep taking the bait, then you'll have no room for a Christ-centered life. Let's play it one time. If you keep taking the bait that Satan is offering you, if you keep taking that bait, you'll never have room for a Christ-centered life. You're hooked, and he's pulling you wherever he wants to pull you to. You're just going with it, and you have no room in your life for Christ to be exalted, for Christ to be at the center, for God to get your best-overs. And so many believers are just giving God leftovers. They're giving God their worst energy. They're giving the, the, the kingdom, you know, whatever's left after giving everything else to the world is crowded out. And here's what you've got to, and only you can do this, but you have to make a decision in your life. You have to make a conscious decision that you're going to live a life that produces fruit for the kingdom. Fruit is not just something that happens by accident in your life. Fruit in your life has to be something that you're going to make a conscious decision, that you want to leave lasting fruit. One of the prayers of Bill Wright, who led Campus Crusade for Christ, he passed away, and he led more people to Christ than what is believed to be even more than Billy Graham. But Bill Bright had four prayers, and one of them was this. Every morning he prayed four things, and the, one of the prayers was this. God, give me a life of lasting fruit. For fruit that, as Jesus said in John 15, that remains. For many of us, when we get to the end of our life, we're not going to have any lasting fruit. We'll not look back and have people wanting to thank us for the fruit that we've that, that we've we've borne in our life. You know why? We lived a strangled life. We lived a strangled life. And can I tell you as a pastor that happens as well. I can be so anxious and worried about the operations of things that go on. You, you can say, oh don't worry about it, Pastor. Yeah, don't worry. I, I don't worry. Of course you don't. You you know you have you're not in my seat. It's easy to be an armchair quarterback, right? But the there are things that I should show concern for and I should make plans for because it rises and falls on leadership. But here's what I can't do and here's what I have done. Sometimes I've been so focused. As I said last week, remember, like with a shallow heart, I've been so focused on like maybe breaking the next growth barrier or the, the, the numbers and metrics, which I've got to pay attention to the, uh, to the dashboard. But sometimes I'm so focused on that and I let worry creep in. And, I, and here's what I do. Maybe it's not money, right? Because in ministry, you don't get in it for money. My mom had this little plaque made for me when I, she found out I was going to ministry. She said, ministry doesn't pay much, but retirement is out of this world. Right? Some of y'all got that. Meaning heaven. So I just had to explain the joke, which means it probably wasn't a joke. So here's the thing, though. I can also buy into the lie that more will make me happier. What I don't have is better than what I do have. And that's what I can, I can fall into in church life, thinking that well, if we just get past this growth barrier, well, when we just get here, when we just get there, then I'll be really, really content. And some of us are treating God that way. And that's what happens in my life. And if I'm so focused on that, I can't be focused on preaching the gospel and making disciples. At the end of the day, I want to leave a legacy. At the end of the day, can I tell you a secret about Thrive Church with 650K and, and we're starting in a couple of weeks a whole series on our values? Can I just tell you a secret real quick? 
at the end of the day, it's not about how big Thrive Church can get. It is not about this stupid brand. And I said that for dramatic effect because I mean it. And I'm, I'm surrounded in this pastor world of guys who are bloodthirsty about numbers. I told one guy this. I said, he said, I just want to get back to pre-COVID numbers. I said, why? Because, man, we were doing so good. I said, I, said, I, I, I think here's the problem. You were gaining your identity in those numbers that made you feel better, didn't he? He said, yeah, I felt really good. I said, that's the problem. You're worshiping numbers, and you're leading for numbers. You're not leading to make impact. You're not leading for a legacy. You're leading for numbers. So can I tell you a secret about Thrive Church? Here's what I would love to be the story of Thrive Church. And if you're watching online, if you're maybe checking this church out, here's what's a little different about us. We're going to give away resources to other churches in this community. During COVID-19, I reach out to pastors. I, I pastor pastors. That's what I do on the side. To make, I make no money from it, but I pastor pastors. Then I reached out to a guy. said, how you doing? He said, I'm struggling greatly. And that's an anomaly because during this crisis, can I tell you, pastors are faking it till they make it. Because we don't know what we're doing. We have no idea what church is going to look like. It's just, it's just messy, right? And can I tell you, I've had the most anxiety, the most stress in the world during this COVID-19 thing. Most pastors will look at me and they'll text me and they'll lie to me. I've only had two honest pastors the whole time that I've talked to. Um, and, and the other ones are either lying or, man, man, it, 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 life is the best it's ever been. I don't know. But this one guy, he said, I'm struggling greatly. And he went through the list of things he was struggling. Very, very honest. And one of them was with finances. And so we made a decision at Thrive Church to pay that pastor's salary for a month. To bless him with that. Here's what I want to see happen at Thrive Church. I want to live a life of fruit. But if I'm pursuing all the things God doesn't care about, and we'll talk about this in the coming uh, weeks in our series, if I'm concerned about the wrong scorecard and I'm pursuing success and I'm looking at celebrity pastors, I'm going to miss fruit. And here's what fruit is. At Thrive Church, one day, I would love for the churches of Richmond to line up when Maybe I, it's my funeral or some of the staff's funeral or, you know, whatever happens to line up and say, if it wasn't for Thrive Church, we wouldn't be where we're at today. They gave us resources. They extended a hand and they were generous to us. They helped us. They gave away to us. They were more concerned about the church of Richmond than Thrive Church. That's what I want it to be. But I can easily allow just this, all this junk Right? Comparing numbers. I mean, it's like a peeing contest with pastors. How many are you running, right? And then we think, that guy's great. He's got a lot of people. One of, my, one of the best leaders I know has 100 people in his church. One of the best leaders that I know. And he's making impact. See, you have to make a decision in your life. You have to. That either you're going to pursue one thing or pursue another. And here's what we have to do. And I want you to write this down uh, today if you're watching this uh, from the comfort of your couch, I want you to write this down. And here's what we have to do. Change your focus of life to the heavenly purposes of God instead of the pleasures of life. Let me say it one more time. Change your focus to the heavenly purposes of God instead of the pleasures of life. Many of us are pursuing the pleasures of life and God's purposes are secondarily. 
Oh, I don't really have enough time. I don't want to get there at 30 in the morning to serve at church, right? That's just too early. I'm just going to mess my Sunday up. Oh, so your life's all about you, right? It's about pleasure. Oh, I don't really have a week to give, one, oh, Sunday once a month to give. Oh, I, I, I really need to be in the service. Or oh, I don't, you know, I mean, we have all these excuses. And when it comes down to it, can I be honest, the reason that many of us have a strangled heart, you're just all about pleasure. And I'm all about pleasure. It's all about, you know, what makes us feel good. We talked about that last week. And, and I think what we have to realize is you've got to make a decision. If you want to make sure there's no weeds in your garden, if you want to make sure you're not strangled out, if you want to make sure you have lasting fruit that remains the John 15 life, here's what you have to understand, that you're going to make decisions to pursue the heavenly purposes of God versus the pleasures of life. Now, let me, let me just say this, time out disclaimer. You're saying, well, is it wrong to have any pleasure of life? No, enjoy vacations. Enjoy your life as it being a gift given by God. Like when I run, I just enjoy the fact that I still can run, right? And I'm like thanking God for that. When I lift weights, when I go play, I'm just, I'm like, that's an act of worship. I'm like, God, I'm, thank you. But here's the problem. Many of us are just pursuing pleasures at the expense of the purposes of God. God gets your leftovers, not your bestovers. And you know why? Because the focus is wrong. And we've got to change our focus. And so here's what Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. And he says this to them. And I love this because he's trying to explain to them where they have been. He's trying to explain to them about redemption. Chapter 2 is all about redemption and what Christ has done for them. And then he says this. He says, since, connecting to the previous thing, since. You have been raised to new life with Christ since you've been. So if, you, if you've had new life in Christ, if you've been transformed by the gospel, if you've been rescued, if you've, if you've fully surrendered to Christ, look at this. He says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, what do you do? Set your sights on the reality of heaven, on the realities of heaven, on the scorecard of heaven, on what God values, the realities, the implications of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. And I love this. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Now, now I'm not saying that, that you're just gazing into heaven all day and you're just thinking about heaven. But here's what I do know. You're thinking about the heavenly purposes that God has for the earth. You're realizing that your new life with Christ is more real than the old life you have. You're, you're focused on the divine things for the kingdom, not just earthly things. And here's what he says, and I love this, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. See, some of you have not tasted real life yet, because you're still so focused on the pleasures of life. You not realized, I did not find real life until I understood I had to die to the old life. I didn't find real life until I found out my new life. Your, your life is hidden. Some of you haven't discovered it yet. You're pursuing per, uh, pleasures of a purpose. And you haven't found that out yet. Some of you, watch this, are living an imposter life. You know Why? You're living the life God never, you're living somebody else's life because God sent Christ to die for us and as us so we could experience the true life that God has for us. And you've never, ever unlocked that. And you're wondering why your life seems purposeless, why you can't really put your, your, your finger on it. And can I tell you, you're strangled. There's no fruit. 
You're, you were created for that. I want to encourage you this morning that you need to strangle out the things that are strangling out the kingdom of God. It says that the weeds choked out the tender plants. Can I tell you what you and I need to do? We need to go on the offensive. Strangle materialism in your life. Say, I refuse to be owned by that. Remember, remember, you can own possessions but never let possessions own you. Strangle time management. Say, I refuse to give God my, uh, the, the, the worst energy. Strangle out the things that are strangling the kingdom in your life. Get on the offensive and find out. Talk to your spouse. If you're single, talk to the Holy Spirit. Find out what are the things that are strangling those things out in your life and say, I am resolute that I will live for the purposes of God. In 2006, I'll never forget when the Lord spoke to my heart about something. He made it very clear to me, and it's been the path for sure. He said, Kevin, at this point forward, what you've done for me is you've treated me like a wallet. What does that mean? I just felt this impression. I didn't hear any voices or anything. He said, you've put me in your back pocket and you've taken me and done what you wanted to do. He says, from this point in your life, I'm going to put you in my back pocket and you're going to travel and do the things I want you to do. And I didn't realize that it meant a lot of pain. It meant some suffering. It meant giving my whole life to Christ. Some of you have put God in your back pocket and you want him to go on your journey of life. When God is calling some of you to say, I want to put you in my back pocket, I'm tired of seeing you strangled out and no fruit produced in your life. That's the life that God has for you. And your true life is hidden with Christ in God. So I want you to look at your life, figure out where is it that the Word of God and the fruit of a Christ-centered life is being strangled out. What are the things that are strangling? Where is that python wrapping around that part of my life and just strangling out the gospel. It could be your prayer life. It could be your worship life. It could be the life of the word. It could be giving to the local church financially. It could be serving. I don't know. It could be sharing the gospel. I don't know what it is. But what we're going to do is we're going to go on the offensive. We're going to strangle out the things that want to strangle us. Stay tuned for next steps. Hey, that was an incredible message from Pastor Kevin. And today, as you're watching this online, you may want to make the most important decision of your life. And that's the decision to follow Christ. You see, Jesus, when he came to this earth 2,000 years ago, when he was born, he didn't just give great life lessons. He didn't just perform miracles, but he is the way of salvation. You see, when he died, he was crucified on a cross. But three days later, on that third day, he resurrected and came back to life. Now that's incredible because that resurrection wasn't just him coming back to life, but that was him giving us a way for salvation, to be forgiven of our sins. Because for you and me, we can't uh, do enough good. We can't earn our way into heaven. But as it says in Romans, uh, that the only way of salvation is through believing and confessing. That we believe that Jesus was who he said he was. That he died and resurrected on that third day. And in that resurrection conquered death, hell, and the grave. That we can be forgiven of our sins. So it's to believe that and to confess that. And if you want to make the decision to follow Christ today, it's you doing just those two things. So here's what I'd love for you to do. The way you can confess that today is click the link in the description that says you made a decision for salvation. And what we want to do, why do we do that? Because we want to connect with you. We want to invest in your relationship with God. And we have some free resources online that we want to send to you, that we want to connect with you. Again, we want to help you have a thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And if you're new with us here today, if this is the first time or maybe the second time you've joined us here online, we'd love to connect with you also. Make sure you click that link that says I'm new here because we want to, again, we have something we want to give to you, some free resources and just a way to bless you for being with us today. So if you would, listen, we're about to go into this week and I don't know about you, but I need God's help uh, with everything that I'm facing. So let's pray together today. So pray with me. God, we're so thankful that we can still gather even though online. And God, I pray that over the message that Pastor Kevin shared, God, may it impact us, may it transform us because your word is true no matter what we're facing. God, I pray that you give us your strength and your peace as we go into this week. God, we thank you for all that you have done, all that you're going to do. And it's your holy name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us online today. See you soon.